bitches bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Erica. And we have a special bonus pod for you. I'm totally excited. This is our bonus episode with our applicants for co-host. Woo! Um, so we ha- we'd like to thank everyone for their interest. We had a whole bunch of applications. Um, we contacted people that we thought would be a good fit. Um and then people kind of fell off the face of the planet. Yeah. We emailed a bunch of people, a handful or so. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I have a mantra. And, you know, in life, if you do two things, one is showing up. A lot of life is just showing up. Yes. And Which is how a lot of white men fail up. They just show up. Yeah. They're just there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 they're just like ah you i was like i was like that is so true yeah so showing up is i would say about 70 percent of the battle yes so once we contacted the um people we were interested in auditioning we only had two people respond and confirm their interest but you know what i'm fine with it they were two good people though. they were we had two very good discussions. Yep. Um, so we have Amy Kishek and Courtney Lockhart. Hello, ladies. And what we did is we sat down with each of them. Um, we chatted about who they are and why they wanted to become our co-host. And then we did a round of rent and receipts. Yeah, and it was actually pretty – I liked it. Like, I, I was like, oh – it's it's interesting getting to see like different perspectives, especially on different subjects that we talk about, yeah. and then like like see what kind of perspective they can bring to the picture that we don't have. Yes, and it was definitely interesting to get back to the feeling of having three people, right? Because we've been doing the you and I thing for two months two and a half months i feel like we've grown closer though it's i agree absolutely um and so we finally figured out like our flow and then now we're just changing it again yeah um so that'll be fun yeah we do have a pretty good flow though i i i i thought that like it's like we adjusted a little bit yep and um it's going to be interesting for us to adjust again. Yes. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. So um, now that we have the auditions completed, the selection process is one in part done by Erica and myself. And the other part is for you guys. Yep. So what you does guys that mean? weighing in. That means that you guys get a vote. Yep. So to get a vote, you have to become a patron. You have to become a Patreon subscriber. So you go to patreon.com slash bad and bitchy. Yep. And you have to pledge the bare minimum, which is $1, and you get a vote. But we're hoping you pledge more. Yeah. You can get other cool things like our newsletter, access to bonus pods ahead of time. This one is going to be an exception. Yeah. Um... And you get a whole bunch of other cool stuff. You do. 
Um, so you get to be on the bad and bitchy flow. <laughs> Become a patron. Vote for your favorite, Amy or Courtney, and participate in the democratic process. Showing up. Showing up. Yes. Way to tie this all back together, Erica. I'm telling you, I, I don't know how I'm doing this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just uh, stay tuned for the, the two discussions. <laughs> So we're here with Amy Kishak, um, who is an Ottawa resident, obviously, and uh, she's going to tell you a bit about herself. All right. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I've been in Ottawa for some time, proud listener of the pod, uh, and, and an activist, uh, lawyer, feminist, uh, involved in a lot of um, different community initiatives around town. Um, I identify as an intersectional feminist. I'm a Palestinian-Canadian, and uh, my day-to-day work has me representing workers uh, across the country in, in unionized workplaces. Uh, so I'm very fortunate to be able to live and work my politics. So I consider that a pretty rad privilege. Um, and uh, yeah, I bring in insights from sort of the political sphere, which is my other background, my other life, uh, lobbying and, and that sort of thing, in addition to the activism piece. And uh, yeah, I'm around town. I keep a, a Ottawa events newsletter. I try, I cool. try to like pump up things that are happening in Ottawa a lot. I'm, I'm pretty proud to, to uh, be from here and be supporting a lot of local businesses and local um, events and things of that nature. Um, on the, if I were to kind of be invited on to be part of Bad and Bitchy, I think I'd like to bring, um, well, what I would bring would hopefully be a comedic flair. I also contribute <laughs> for the Beaverton. Ooh, um, I'm trying to Erica's favorite on. website. I love the Beaverton. Legit. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize they had a TV show. Yeah. I didn't like them on TV. Yeah, fair. Um, I mean, it's different, right? It's, yeah. it's a different style, and you just yeah. have to kind of take it for being a whole other medium. Now, and if they did, like, their own official Bonnet Chronicles. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's a lot of the same writers um, that actually do write for the show. Yeah. And they do pick up some of our articles, um, but it is also a different writing staff, and then, of course, comedians who are get, bringing their own delivery right, to it. Right, right. Um, but it's, 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 it's yeah. great. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy to be part of it. Um, shout out to the Beaverton. Yeah, shout out to the Beaverton. And I'm hoping <laughs> to write more this year and, and to kind of get into more creative side of what I do. And I think that's what this podcast is so amazing because you get to, um, you know, speak speak your truth, but in, mm. uh, in a way that isn't the academic way that I sort of came at it originally, right? Like, I think a lot of us were probably came into our feminism and, you know, anti-racism work and all that through school and and through some campus sort of environment. Mm -hmm. And it's how do we live that day to day in our adulthood um, and bring it to people in ways that are a bit more accessible and interesting. And that's what I love about podcasts and your pod in particular. Cool. Cool. So um, for the co-host quote unquote application process, um, we are all going to do a rent and receipts together. Um, and you know what? We've been waiting for Erica all morning. So, you know what? I'm just going to let her go first. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's like that. Okay. 
Okay. Can I just ask, you guys have an e-reading uh, rating, right? Like I can. Start. Oh, oh yeah. We, oh we yeah. Fuck the so. shit out of that e-reading. I just e-rating. want to make sure. Yeah. It's no. so hard to mm. filter. It yeah. takes all my effort at like hearings to be like not just drop an F. You've heard the show, so. right? Yeah. <laughs> like I have. I just feel like I need extra validation. To I go down I was route. just saying <laughs> that I did drop a. Well, that was such baloney on an Instagram story the other day. So I mean, gosh darn it. Yeah. <laughs> You guys Jeez, can have the, you guys can have the E rating. I'll just go with the G rating. Oh, I will fuck the shit out of that E rating. <laughs> okay, go. Go. Oh me. So my rent and receipts is why millennial women are burning out. So there's a trend of young millennial women burning out by the age of thirty. A study by McKinsey shows that women account for 53% of corporate corporate entry-level jobs, but only 37% hold mid-management jobs. That number drops to 26% for vice presidents and senior managers, indicating a major gender disparity higher up in the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. As only 11% of women choose to leave the workplace permanently to have children, the other reason for this gap can be traced to high expectations that companies place on their employees in always connected work environments. A study from the University of Kansas found that women are burning out faster than men after looking at attrition rates of journalists. According to the research, women reported higher levels of overload and intention to leave the field. Hmm. The author of the study, Professor Scott Reinhardy, examined the numbers through gender socialization theory, which claims that society puts certain expectations on people based on their gender from a very young age. So we talked about emotion, the emotional work too. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. that's probably part yeah. of it. Where women are more often expected to provide the majority of family care and raise children, men are expected to be the breadwinners and put work obligations before family. That was supported by the findings showing that women experience significantly higher rates of role overload or feel that they are unable to complete their assigned duties in the work time allowed. So I I found this very interesting. Mm-hmm. First of all, burnout by the age of 30? What the fuck? <laughs> like I don't I don't get that. Like not that I don't get it. I see it, but I just I can't believe that that's where we're at where people are burning out by 30. And it makes me wonder. We put so much expectations of education. Mm-hmm. Mm. Of then you have to have the right internship and you have to network the right way. And women also do the extra labor at work, at like unsung labor. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the cleaning of the fridge, the cleaning of the kitchen. Social exactly. Making social other people feel welcome or really that's the job of someone else. Yeah. 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 If you want that, you need a liaison. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, yeah. and pay somebody for that, Absolutely. right? But um, given this extra pressure, it's not surprising that that women especially are burning out. I also like to point out the 11% stat of women leaving the workforce for to have children because that's been that's been paraded for so long. Well, the reason women this is the argument the reason women don't like make as much as men is that they leave the workforce or they have. Um, absences from work Mm. and don't have continuous work experience because they leave to have children. And I'm just like, 
are there figures on that? Yeah. Because I'm not sure that's true. Mm-hmm. And so this stat definitely shows that that's not the case. Yeah, and I think that now because millennials have been experiencing trouble getting in their foot in the door um, because you know the baby boomers aren't retiring as quickly as they should be, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people have side hustles. Mm-hmm. So you know you're networking in like 14 different networking groups. You've got you know your little side hustle over here, your side hustle over there. You're volunteering. Because you want to get that extra experience to supplement the work that you're not able to do at work. You're padding that resume because there's no other way for you to do it. And a lot of those things are gendered, like what people choose to do as side hustles. And as you said, internships, I work with the Canadian (gasps) Intern Association and the research is like absolutely clear that the vast majority of people who do internships are women. Um, And so imagine going for a big chunk of your 20s, either unpaid or underpaid, you finally get to these entry-level positions, Mm -hmm. no doubt you're burnt out by 30. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like every committee, every like outside organization I volunteer with is and not just the women's organizations, but like whatever it may be, mostly women there, like showing up to do in terms of, and I think that volunteer work could also be captured under emotional labor. Yep. And yep. We go out there Most we feel definitely. like this obligation to go and volunteer and like that's all great. And some of it's for resume padding and networking. And that's legit. That's a re- legit reason to volunteer. But I don't, I don't really see men doing that. Like they'll show up to work. They're happy doing that. And then that's it. They go home. <laughs> this is why last week I said the majority of them are lazy fucks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I felt that. I was snapping. I was <laughs> like, I was like, I've seen you lazy fucks. Yeah. I remember at one point, 2016, I had my side hustle. Yeah. I had an internship mm-hmm. and I was working full time. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, like. That's what that's what we do. I mean, I literally have to delete things from my resume, even though they're relevant and like within the time frame, because there's just no fucking room. Yeah, I feel like other people are making shit up to be yeah. like, <laughs> I showed up to this one event. And yes, like, I hosted that, and I'm not yeah. even putting that thing on my resume. Yeah, yeah. exactly. What, it's like what is I this? saw you. You you did nothing. You yeah. Did like the fucking <laughs> oh my gosh, what was like, it? You, you get did... you don't get cookies for showing up. Thank <laughs> you. I like I like this reminds me of the Lena Dunham story this week. Ugh. And um, who was it? Tamara. Oh, Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson, Tessa Thompson, yeah. Thompson oh, called her like she's like, bitch, you weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I don't. The whole I Tessa cannot, Thompson thing. I not even. Yeah, mm. I know. I know. Ugh. I I listened to Keep It last night. Ira, Ira Madison the Thirds keep it, yeah. and he mentioned it. And I was like, "Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly." But I feel I totally hear you. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. all right, Amy. Do you want to go next? Sure. Okay, I also have to pull this up. Um, so my uh, rents and receipts is a story. I guess that start originated on. Uh, Twitter, as most stories seem to do. <laughs> uh, so this is uh, the comedian Sarah Silverman uh, gets a trolled on Twitter. Someone calls her the C-word. I, I don't know. I'll say cunt, but he shouldn't. Uh, calls her a cunt on Twitter, and she responds saying uh, the most sort of generous things, responding with love and kindness, which we often hear big, you know, liberals, like, widely promoting this sort of approach and so she says i believe in you i read your timeline i see what you're doing your rage is thinly veiled pain but you know what i know this feeling p.s my back fucking sucks too see what happens when you see choose love i see it in you 
And has she, she been talking? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like, what is that? I'm deeply uncomfortable with this already. Oh, I know, I know. So, Did, was she talking to Jagmeet Singh? Like, yeah. Yeah. She, she, just... she read that Jack Layton letter, and her life has always been changed. Um, so, no, essentially, she goes and creeps her, tr- her trolls. That, my list is coming through. Uh, his feed and realizes he has back pain, he has all these other issues, and starts chatting him up about that and kind of taking it away from from the harassing conduct. And he says, I can't choose love. A man that resembles Kevin Spacey took that away from me when I was eight, and I can't find peace. If I, uh, if I could find that guy who ripped my body, who stripped my innocence, I'd kill him. He'd fuck me up, and I'm poor, so it gets hard to help. Anyway, it goes on, and uh, by the end of it, she's paying for his back surgery. It's like this. What? Anyway, it's a whole thing. She, like, does the shout-out to doctor. Like, she figures out his his diagnosis. He can't get health care. He's in San Antonio. She puts, like, all the chiropractors and orthosurgeons, like, and, like, on blast, and people volunteer to help him, and she puts the bill and all this shit. Of course, people are lauding this as, like, what a wonderful story. It's such a, like, moment of, you know, what we could do to, like, get these poor white people on side with, you know, economic justice and, and our message. And part of me is sort of like, oh, that is nice. Like, that he's been through a lot. That's just, that shit's rough. And that's true. That can be true. On the other hand, it really pisses me off how much we emphasize love and and compassion as a form of resistance and, you know, an activism. Because my my kind of activism is anger and rage. (laughs) And I believe everyone should be more angry all the fucking time. I think that's how you mobilize people. Because if we were successful with love and kindness and courage, then the last number of years would have, you know, not got us into the place we are now. And it wouldn't mean that People are so freely speaking from places of hate. Like, clearly, that's not an effective strategy. And it also demonizes people who do the even harder work of actual, like, where resistance movements are sorely needed, whether that's in I don't know more movements, Black Lives Matter, or like in the Palestinian example. And we have like the very public case now of Ahed Tamimi, who's the, you know, the woman, you're 16 year old, she's a girl in the West Bank who slaps the IDF soldier mm. and gets arrested and put in jail. And there were some of the responses, well, why, you know, why should she slap him? If he slapped him, that's assault, assaulting an op, like, you know, or it's, and it's like, no, like, what do you, if they're an occupied people, if the response is a slap from a 16 year old girl, like that, you're lucky that's all it is. And that's a, that's an okay form of resistance. Mm-hmm. But the idea that, you know, liberals like to espouse this idea of like, doves and harmony and we will get them by being not them well no there is a place for anger and we're we're we are entitled to that feeling and i just feel when these stories get highlighted it sort of quiets all of that and if you are a liberal person of privilege who can foot the bill of someone and and speak in this way then that's fine you know you can go ahead and do that but it's almost but asking everybody regardless of what about, you know, folks who are racialized, poor, and in similar boat as this person, like significantly disenfranchised? Are they not supposed to be angry? Yeah. Are they supposed to respond with love and compassion? Like, that's pretty unfair and hard to expect. Yeah. Can I... Go ahead. Yeah. I know you've got lots. I've got, <laughs> I've got lots. But I'm going to... Since, since Monday is MLK Day, I will... 
I will take a quote from Martin Luther King. <clears throat> so this is April 1963, and I love how, you know, white people, especially white liberals, love to push Martin Luther King in your fucking face as though they know something. And I'm just, and they're like, look, love. I'm like, no, bitch. He said a lot. Okay, so here's something he said. <clears throat> First, I must confess that over the last few years, I've been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached that regrettable conclusion that the Negro's greatest stumbling block in the stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the right white moderate who is more devoted to order, and that's order in quotations, than justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is absence of tension to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I can't agree with your methods of direct action, who paternalistically feels he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by the myth of time and who constantly advises the Negro to wait until, quote, a more convenient season. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. And I think that's, yeah. I think that basically sums it up. No, totally, totally. And just even in terms of women on Twitter, I mean, are we supposed to respond to every harassing tone? Is the expectation now that we don't just report them and... Well, you know, that we're responding in this way almost, again, it's another piece of that emotional work that falls to women to undo all of this hurt. Yeah, and like we all can't be Saatchi Cole on Twitter and respond to them with <laughs> quotes from Goodwill Hunting. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like I would also respond in anger and it, like, in just like trying to understand them and be compassionate i mean i get that and obviously there are people who act out constantly regardless of what circles they run in because they've got some sort of deep-seated hurt and pain but to at the same time like he is like joe blow from wherever Mm -hmm. And she's a celebrity. And honestly, like, why is she spending her time responding to him? I mean, it is part of her politics and the way she often speaks about these issues is it has been through this lens. So she has been consistent and she does do a lot of um, political activism for the Democratic Party. And she, you know, like this is a message that she's always been on. For some reason, it manifested this way on this day. I don't know. She yeah. had extra time on her hands to go find out what his back injury was and creep all of his previous tweets. But, I mean, the other thing is it's another form of charity, right? Like, and yeah. the idea is not centered around systemic change. It, it goes back to the individual to be compassionate and loving and therefore, you know, doing the things that social workers and, a you know, state-run healthcare and other things that allegedly Democrats like her are fighting for yeah. to do. And, and I just, you know. I well, think the onus is also put on women to defuse right. the situation. Yeah. And that's part of that emotional labor. So we're supposed to not only take the attacks, because those are emotionally, those are emotional jabs too, yep. 
but we have to somehow manipulate it and form it into this beautiful ray of sunshine that everybody else can profit from and prosper from. And I'm not here for it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, and I also wonder, like, we don't know if he's just an asshole. <laughs> like, he, she paid for the surgery tens of thousands of dollars, I'm sure. And maybe he's just an asshole. Maybe he's still going to call her a cunt. Also, Erica really hates this word. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a fan of it, but I also feel like that's how harsh that word is. People should know that, like, literally all of his tweet was just that word. I've used the N-word that, on this show. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think you should say it. I think most people shouldn't say it. But, no. Like, I mean, it's not are, like yeah. he was like, I, I don't like your comedy. You're not funny. And then she responded. I mean, he... He's yeah. threw a slur at her, a sexist slur, and then from there she carried it, the conversation. But that's plate. it. She carried it. I totally agree with you. And I, I'm not here yeah. to carry water for any white guy who feels disenfranchised, okay? I'm sorry. I'm Nor should like, they be entitled to keep their Twitter they, account yeah, and maintain that's that platform. The other thing. Yeah. That is the other thing. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I, I just, I just, like, I, the example that she's said. I setting, thought Twitter rolled out their new harassment policy. I see, so. I saw that. So. Whatever. Well, I guess we'll see. I'm, you know, you know that block button beyond. Block, block. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So my rent and receipts is uh, a little anecdote from our favorite wannabe feminist slash member of the resistance, Megan Kelly. Mm-hmm. Who this week said that some women want to be fat shamed on her show. So I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she decided to argue um, this week on her wonderful, popular show, part of the Today Show in the morning, <laughs> that fat shaming isn't always bad during a conversation with a mommy blogger, fit mom Maria Kang, Ew, who that. had... <laughs> Previously received criticism um, after fat shaming a new mom or several new moms uh, in on Instagram in 2013, um, and she said, Megan Kelly said, "quote When I was in law school, I was gaining weight. I said to my stepfather, if you see me going into that kitchen one more time, you say, where are you going, fat ass? Ew. And guess what? It works." That's what. No, that's it doesn't. Stupid. It doesn't work because I was also fat shamed, and it does not work. In fact, it makes people feel like total and utter garbage. Yeah, and it's not. It's not at all effective. No, like, and then she. I guess there was this backlash. The next day, she like had to apologize. <laughs> She's like, oh. Is people. half her show now just a segment of her apologizing for the previous show? Is that I, the f- new format that she's working I think with? so, yeah. She should co-host with she, Lena Dunham then. Oh <laughs> <laughs> On the real. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, like we just talked to Melissa Fabello about diets mm-hmm, that was really good. and body politics. Yeah. And just to see someone who is trying to understand feminism and has been very done a very good job in promoting the discussion about sexual harassment in the workplace recently Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, on her show. But even though she is still struggling and she is having a hard time booking good guests, um, she actually wants to book Kat Sadler. 
um, who left yeah. E for yeah. learning that her that would male be an interesting colleague was yeah. earning twice as much as her, um, but they won't let her. But anyways, Megyn Kelly, like I don't, I don't know. She is white supremacy within the feminist structure. She fails up, first of all, because she replaced mm. a show. Tamron Hall mm. had a show that was killing it in ratings, and NBC de- decided, because that's what they do, they play us off against each other, decided to replace Tamron Hall with Megyn Kelly, and now the ratings are shit. And I hope it goes into the toilet and tanks, <laughs> and I hope it clogs the fucking bowl, okay? I also think that NBC wanted to get Megyn Kelly, quote-unquote feminist Megyn Kelly from Fox News, which is a very low bar. Mm-hmm. Like, to be feminist on Fox News is a literally just saying women deserve equality. Like, that's all yeah. it is. Yeah. They wanted the Megyn Kelly who was going to call out Donald Trump. They didn't want Megyn Kelly who didn't want to talk about politics. They wanted the person who was going to get ratings, but instead they got whatever the hell they got, and they put her on that Sunday show. That didn't go well. Then they put her on a fucking morning show. Okay, excuse me. If the Sunday show didn't go well, why yeah, the why fuck would they... would they replace Tamron Hall on the morning then? It was part of, like, that was the deal. She got two. She got two fucking shows? That's the whole, that was the whole You've deal. You've got to be kidding me. No. What? The fuck? I, I can't even. <laughs> I can't even. I, I really, I just, you need to, y'all need also, to talk. I mean, she just <laughs> needs, yeah, yeah. No, no. Erica's so mad. I'm pissed. But like, it, okay, it's one thing to have her weird ass opinions and trying. To, she's trying to figure out who she is and sure. like whatever. That's in flux. Isn't you she have, forty or something? Yeah, she doesn't yeah, know yeah. who the fuck she is. Look, we're all we'll be questioning till we die, and that's that's fine. Let's give her like some slack for that. But like, you have a guest on your show who's saying these things. Does it make for a better interview for you to pile on and make like like condone fat phobia, or would it a yeah. better journalist be like, huh? Let's talk about that some more. What impact did that have? Let me read you the impact that your comments, Miss Mommy Blogger, had on these and these people. Yeah, and let's And let's challenge that. Like, that's just good hosting. Like, who goes on to the host is like, yeah, you know what? All my guests are amazing. Every flagrant and offensive thing they said has been like tops. Let me give you a personal anecdote about how I, too, like, identify with everything. Like, that's not good TV, period. And it's not good journalism, so it's not even about what her views are. I don't think she's just like effective, period. Yeah, just <laughs> do some research into, you know, dieting, yeah. um, body but, politics. It's like she's handling her. When did she her... do research? Well, exactly. Yeah. Like this is But this she has is producers, right? She has she has producers on her show who could do that. Like it just sounds like the whole thing is a big clusterfuck and she's she's she I guess she probably feels lucky to have anyone sit in that seat at all as a guest. So she's handling <laughs> them with kid gloves yeah. and doesn't want to do the hard work of hosting a good show. Mind you, not like morning TV is like the bastion of like journalism and controversial topics, but it could be. And if that's what she wanted to be and this is the, you know, new new Megan, she could do that she's just not effective at what she's doing yeah she was never effective she was never effective like that's, I, gr- that's, I agree that's I, my I'm point i'm not disagreeing she with has yeah. she has a history of yeah. being ineffective with a couple of bright lights that's right okay and she this, had a moment and then, she had a moment and now yeah. and this is my problem is that 
you know, women of color could do the real work and have a stellar history for fucking years. Yeah, mm-hmm. And she has one moment That's and right. she's catapulted up to the top for what? Yeah. For what? She has not proved that she is even consistent mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. So my my question becomes, even as a business decision, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> like Totally. Well, like, I don't I don't think there's a long her, run ahead of her. No, but give her a web so, series yeah. or some shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let <laughs> her prove herself yeah. as a guest yeah. on a show. Give her a fucking co-host. Yeah. What did her book even though? She had a book, right? Yes. Oh, she writes. Oh. She yeah. wrote a book after that moment. It's like another thing that got handed to her after that trip. And that's incident. the point. Yeah, no, I I'm, I'm with you. I totally I know, agree. I know, I know. It's I, just that I like I'm like that's the point is that because she's a white woman yeah. who um, who got a moment, yeah. okay? Nobody talked about Gwen Eiffel when she was moderating because she was yeah. stellar. Yeah. She mm-hmm. was solid. She yeah. was fucking rock solid. Yeah. But Megyn Kelly has one moment and everything's handed to her. That's yeah. my problem. Yeah. That's that, And that's white supremacy in a nutshell. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well. That was a lively discussion. I've never seen Erica get so mad. <laughs> I'm just, Holy I, Meg, I was, Megan I'm Kelly. glad I was here to witness it live. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Megan Kelly just, ugh. that's uh, a good one, Aaron. <laughs> great. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, I know it's Saturday. We're not like all dressed to be on camera, but the hand talking, I feel like that needs It's, it's a place. very missed component. Yeah, I'm a big hand talker too, so I feel like that's it's it it's gets lost boring. in it, but I love it. It's, I love it. Yeah. I'm all about hand talking. I need talking. to do if we're going to do that, if we're going <laughs> to if we're going to make videos, I need to then do my nails. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think Erin has a hot tip for her. I'll go. <laughs> Um, anyway, so that wraps up uh, Amy's portion here. Do you have anything else you want to say? No, but this has been wonderful. Thanks for having me on. Great conversation, great discussion, and uh, I'll keep listening no matter what. Awesome. Yeah. And where can people find you on the internet? Um, I'm at Amy Kishek on all platforms. Very lucky. How do you spell? K-I-S-H-E-K. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Cheers. <laughs> So we're here with Courtney Lockhart, who is also auditioning to be our next co-host. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Well, um, I'm a married mom of two. I live in the West End of Ottawa. I, uh, by day, I'm a customer service person. And by night, I am a nerd and arts and podcast junkie. Cool. So what are your favorite podcasts? Oh, um, right now I'm hooked on a lot of Crooked Media. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the yeah. entire, like, pretty much the whole spectrum. I yeah. just listened to Keep It last night. I, I haven't to, heard it yet. I listened I to it the other day. Yeah. Because the first time around, I always have to listen with my husband because then he gives the, you know, it's almost like the Caesar thumbs up, thumbs down as uh. to whether or not I'm allowed to listen to it without him. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, I'm not allowed to listen to Love It or Leave It Without Him. <laughs> uh, some of the, most of the other ones, you know, he's like, eh, maybe it's okay. Um, the other one that I, it's, he likes the more game show me game showy ones yeah. so things like uh wait wait don't tell me those i have right. to save for the weekend and i have to pl- i have to listen with him okay um but i've always been a big fan of like chris hardwick the nerdist right um 
I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I really want to get back into it. The smartest. I haven't listened to it in a long time either. And I'm just like, like there's certain podcasts that I go. So I, I right now I'm trying to, Ooh, I'm working through, you know, Atlantic's, um, top 50 podcasts. No, there, there was an article, (laughs) a top 50 podcast of 2017. Okay. Yeah. So I'm working my way through them. Working your way down. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, but such and such is not, we're not on there. I just want to say Atlantic anyway. Uh, but yeah, I'm working through them, but I, I sometimes listen to one and then I have to, I forget to circle back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I've also, uh, we just moved to a house. We've, we've been apartment dwellers our entire adult lives. So we, we just moved to a house. So I'm listening to some like home improvement podcasts and things like that. So mm-hmm. things like Young House Love, uh, which is this really adorable married couple who also do interior design. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Um, How does home improvement work in a podcast? A lot form? of Q&A. Okay. Okay. A lot okay. of Q and A. A lot of like product recommendations. Right. Mm. Uh, things along those. So it's lines. like a spoken blog. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's actually how these guys. That's the way I just. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's how these guys started. Is they they bought their first house when they were like nineteen, mm-hmm. and they decided, oh, we're just going to do a blog about being young house young homeowners. Right. For sure. And then it just it's grown into this, you know you know smallish empire where they have their own product line now and they do stuff with hgtv and there was that time where if you launched at just the right time and it's just the right idea you exploded yeah yeah it was like 2009 9 10 11 yeah 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 same with bloggers fashion bloggers yo blogging blogging really reached its apex i think around that time yeah like especially in 11 and 12 yeah probably about 10 to 12 yeah. it's really the 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 pinnacle of it and then marketers got into it and then it was yeah. <laughs> totally agree yeah as soon as somebody goes wait there's money here it just all goes to hell it, yeah. it just all goes to hell what i will say though is at least i i find that some of these blogs especially fashion blogs that started out just purely as fashion blogs some of them have evolved yep. into more serious content mm-hmm. and more well-written content that you wouldn't find anywhere else yes and some of them don't even sports have too blogs anymore yeah, yeah it's just like a whole platform yeah like Rumi neely shut down her blog and just has her fashion line now oh okay um oh yeah they don't write fashion anymore. toast fashion toast yeah oh i know fashion toast okay yeah Okay, gotcha. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. And went to Fashion Toast. Um, so, Courtney, um, what else can you bring to the table? What can you? What differentiates you from us uh, and our glorious rapport? <laughs> well, the one thing, and, and I, you know, I... I sometimes don't like bringing this up right away, but I figure in in full in full disclosure to we the have whole... an E rating, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but in full disclosure to the listening audience, I am a bit of a traditionalist. Um, but I'm a traditionalist who is also an intersectional feminist, which means that I realize that my choices are my choices, and they are nobody else's. Right. Okay. So what does that mean? It means I um like in you know, in in general terms like. A traditional intersectional feminist. Yeah. So to me, that means that while I have chosen to 
you know, be a practicing Catholic and a, uh, you know, married with kids and, you know, the metaphorical white picket fence. Mm -hmm. I completely understand that those are just my values. And, you know, if you want to be child free, um, if, you know, if you want to be like, if you want to have anything else, that's totally you. I am, I am actually a pro-choice Catholic. Mm-hmm. So am I, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, too, am a practicing Catholic. Yeah. Hey, fist bump. Yeah. A pro-choice, <laughs> a pro-choice practicing Catholic. Yeah. I know. <laughs> if anybody from my parents' church listens to this. <laughs> oh, I know. My well, then you, they've already excommunicated you. Yeah, then you. I'm they done. I'm to do done. You. Yeah. But, you know, I, I hear you. It's, 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 it's funny because, you know, these intersections are sometimes things that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. And so... Like I go to church on Sunday. Yeah, you know what I mean. And when you wake up on time, I listen. Yo, they have <laughs> they have a nine p.m. service. Uh, okay, <laughs> I usually go to the eleven, but they they eleven is totally the traditional hangover mass. Yeah, it is because I ain't going there at eight. <laughs> Sorry, you gotta you gotta you gotta meet me halfway. Yeah, you know. But yeah, they have a nine o'clock last call. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Um, but for me, it's a lot of, I feel like it's become such a part of um, the justice forming part. Yeah. Because justice is actually a virtue. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's a thing. Yeah. It's not just, oh, it would be nice to have. You know what I mean? No, no, you got to so work it. So once I found that, mm-hmm. and I also had some personal stuff that I will talk about in our, this week in, or, in well, our episode. In our episode. Um, yep, or talked about, now. yeah, talked about <laughs> in our episode, like I, you know, that's kind of brought me kind of in, in this nice little space where I'm just, for me, I'm just, I'm, I'm better now. Yeah. I guess. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm anyway, sure. I get it. Well, but by being true to yourself, you become, you know, better and stronger and able to kind of support everyone else. And empowered. And empowered. Yeah. Because empowerment's the key. Yes. Mm-hmm. However, I also realize that we all live here on this earth, and our 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 purpose is to get the fuck along yep. at some point. <laughs> so anyway, Completely. that's my little spiel. Completely. Um. And so, Courtney, um, what made you apply to be our co-host? I I'm very much a believer. I used the um the term earlier when we were all chatting about parenting with passion. Yeah. So as much as I am, you know, as much as I am mom, as much as I am wife, I am still a creative mm-hmm. and I am looking for that outlet. And I also really believe in the things we talk about, the things you guys talk about. I say we because usually I'm I'm there. That's you know, fine. Com- commenting back in my head. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we're I, we're not thinking that you're presumptuous. Let's put it that <laughs> well, no, even even if I was just listening at home, I I'm seriously like commenting back in my head. Um trust me. We get emails people are like, "Yes, this thing you talked about." Yeah, and that's why I was Twitter so great. The bonus pod last week about like body image and stuff. Yeah. I was like I was this close to applauding in my office. I'm not even joking. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa was a great guest. Oh yeah. Yeah. Loved having her. I want something, whatever she was drinking that day, because that energy was just like, <gasps> she is like that all the time <laughs> F- from, from what I gather on like her Instagram. Yeah. Always like that. Lots of energy. 
Anyway, um, so we are doing rent and receipts. Um, I'll go first. Yay. I made Erica go first before. Because she was trolling me. I was trolling you. <laughs> um, so my rent and receipts is the trouble with satirizing feminism. Um, so does the satirizing of feminism help or hinder actual feminism? Um, a lot of supposedly feminist TV shows, particularly comedies, operate under the inaccurate under ugh, operate under inaccurate post-sexism pretenses, as if the concept of someone actually being a misogynist is just downright absurd and laughably outdated. Um, so shows like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, um, which tries, which I've never watched, but it's supposed to be very good. I heard that too, but yeah, I don't like thing. the title, so I'm it, it, like, it's on the same, list. Same. Yeah. Um, so it tries to tackle the common female stereotype head on. Um, the main character, Rebecca, is the crazy ex girlfriend who moves to LA to chase and stalk her teenage flame in the hopes of curing her anxiety and depression. Oh, oh boy. This is why I didn't. Which yeah. is an awful premise. Um, anyway, the show's creators said they wanted to deconstruct the crazy ex girlfriend trope, but they end up, end up kind of making a case for it. Um, their season three opened this year, uh, with Rebecca seeking revenge after having been left at the altar, a plot line that further validates the stereotype. The show is so deeply seeking to rectify. Um, the episode includes a song called quote, sorry, it's called let's generalize about men during a scene in which her and her girlfriends are drinking wine and guess what? Generalizing about men. I did see that clip. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, like, that is funny until, like, you realize that's what people actually do. Mm-hmm. And then you've got The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which I watched the first season of, watched two episodes of the second season, found it painfully unfunny, and stopped watching I watched it. that bitch. I watched that bitch. Still. I did watch that bitch. Oh. I was like, I was like, yes. And bitch is the show, not the person, by oh, the way. okay. So, um... Yeah. So I, I hear you. Anyway, yeah. sorry. So anyway, in Kimmy Schmidt, um, they did an episode uh, in this season or their current season called Kimmy is a Feminist, in which Kimmy hangs out with a group of college girls who try to teach her about this newfangled development called feminism. Uh, and the girls give Kimmy a pre-party makeover before a night out on the town and they dress her in a tight red mini dress and thigh high boots. So this is feminism, Kimmy says i didn't know it hurt my feet so much i just i rolled so hard um and so one of the girls responds but that's so your butt looks good for you uh which is basically a parody of one sex positivity and two uh body politics kimmy says back to her i look like a hooker um and then another girl responds actually it's sex worker and they are heroes I'm so ragey right now. So, Take it away. Is this helping feminism? Is it helping normalize it? Is it helping people, you know, because like in satire, you see what you want to see. You know, with Colbert, people, you know, conservatives saw someone who was making fun of liberals, but liberals also liked Colbert because he was satirizing those Fox News personalities. Right. So in this when it's on a TV show and it's kind of, you kind of view it as like a real life situation. Mm-hmm. 
Is it helping feminism or is it making it worse? Satire is such a fine line. It's really one of those things that needs to be done exactly right or it's just going to fall over on his face. Mm. And and that's what I'm finding like with the with the Kimmy Schmidt thing and with that specific song on Crazy Kirkwood. Because what I find about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is when you re- – it's one of those things that is tra- – you know how you've, you've heard people say that something is perfect on paper? Yeah. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is trash on paper. Right, but, yeah. But I also know so many of my friends that do suffer with mental health issues love that show. Right. And they f- see themselves in that show. I and see. They, and they find it comforting huh. um, as well as just being fun. So it's it, uh, it's hard. It really is hard because there is a little bit of, you know, there is a little bit of kind of like, I'm trying to find the word. There, There is some stuff that can be a little over the top mm. when you're trying to make your point on a platform and that can be satirized and it can, and you can go, yeah, you're right. You know, that was a little much, mm-hmm. but again, there's the line and then there's what just happened on Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, like the things that they're like the things that they're doing are things that happen, and like I think to a degree it's mocking the like it is mocking liberals and like liberal arts colleges in that in that specific Kimmy Schmidt scene, but also like we don't I don't know you know are what we there yet where um I think where it could have been improved is if they brought Titus into it. <laughs> Everything's improved when Titus is there. Yeah, but you know they could because have... he would put them in their place and be like, "Bitch." Yeah. Not only that, but you can bring in the LGBTQ perspective. Yeah. And really make um uh, a sort of um like talk about feminism in that with that influence. I guess is my point. Yeah, and I it just like it. It comes across having never like seen Crazy Ex Girlfriend or seen that episode of Kimmy Schmidt. It just comes across as very like white feminist. It was like these are the things that we are supposed to believe, and therefore I believe them. Check, 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 and therefore I'm a feminist. Yeah, yep. but we 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 do that all the time, right? Like as feminists, I feel like okay. So there's there's I remember like a couple years ago or like a year ago. As long as you said that men and women need to be equal you're you were a feminist sure i remember that was like and that's a very fucking that's a very basic tenet right of feminism but it's not sufficient it's necessary but not sufficient you know so so i guess my question is like where's the where do we reach the point of sufficiency yeah and yeah it's like are we are we there yet that we can make fun of this yet um, I before I would have said yes before a Trump presidency. Yeah, because it wouldn't feel like it cuts a little too deep. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a little too real now. It's a little bit too real, and like I just feel generally very humorless about a lot of things. <laughs> I I don't know, Courtney. What 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 are your thoughts? Because <laughs> I'm like. Uh... <laughs> 
that's a good summary. Just uh, I, I'm just so tired. I'm, like, I am so tired. There's so much of this stuff. There's so much is going on right now that it feels like you're just you, you try to absorb it all, and even when you do try to make a joke, it's the question of is it the right joke? I mean, the Golden Globes last weekend were basically like, is it the right joke? Yeah, and there were a lot of not right jokes. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I didn't watch Seth's monologue. I read a transcript, which obviously is like the best way to do it. You totally get all those jokes in there. Yeah, I know. Um. But I found I, that like the first half was okay, and then when he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna get edgy now," it all just I just like my heart just went, "Oh, sweetie, no." Yeah, I think he was in, put in a hard place. Like I know yeah. it sounds dumb defending a white male, but like it was a shitty position to be in. It was, like it was a shitty position yeah. to be in. I I I wouldn't if some if they asked me to do this year's gold. Granted, I mean this was. Like I'm sure the contracts were signed way before yeah. me too. Yeah. But my goodness, I think he did the best with the shitty hand he was dealt. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Truth. Because like his job is to be funny, and how do you be funny when everything is so bad and so serious? Yeah. So I I I really don't know about I. So my question is, I guess, should we, like, what should we expect from television? Like, should we, like, I'm just at the point where I can't deal with, like, a lot of extra simulation just because my brain is on all the time. And, like, I will watch Scandal and stuff because it's just so out there that it's unbelievable. So, like, Empire. I'm a solid year, beha- year behind on 90% of television. I just don't watch it. So, like, my thing that I've been watching lately, which is awful but s- requires no cognitive effort on my behalf is fuller house i got through season one we watched one episode of season two and i checked out and 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 i find that i do that with a lot of shows it's it's not even anything malicious it's just like i like you said you're just so bombarded with everything that it's like you know squirrel yeah like there's just there's just so much content and like i'm listening to like endless podcasts and they're all on very serious subject matter and i just need something to not think about anything serious so they're like you know what we're gonna make really lame jokes we're gonna have a bunch of really dumb cameos and i'm just gonna like sit there and eat my like dinner no i get that my chicken wing you can't be on all the time i just wonder what tina fey was thinking like i i i I don't know what she was thinking yeah like the the whole it wasn't it wasn't a multi-layered satirical sort of expose let's say or or something like that it was it took just the most basic um like tweets or something cobbled them together and was like here this is satire is she still on the writing staff though because i find a lot of the times once season two hits executive producer is just i helped you get money yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, that's a good question, actually. Is she still writing for the show? Or that was what, season two, you said? Or season three, three? I believe. Yeah. Oh, right. I never watched season three. <laughs> yeah. I'm still in season two. Again, because I am a solid year behind on all television. <laughs> I have not been caught up on a show since I got back from Matt Leave. Fair. What am I always caught up on? Law and Order Special Victims Unit, Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder. The Blacklist, 
Uh, ooh, I started watching this show called McMafia. It's a BBC show. It's really good. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it just has a, uh, I just Tina Fey as an executive producer. doesn't talk about writers. Okay. Yeah, so she, she, she just helped them get their money. Probably. Maybe. And helped set up, like, the bat, like, the, the main, she helped set up the showrunners, and then she ran off to do something else. I see. Yeah. Fair. I see. That's fair. But whoever's on the writing staff. Yeah. Get some new people. Yeah. Workshop your content a little bit more. They, thank you. It's not that, like, the idea isn't bad. It's the execution. It, the execution was poor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Anyway. Courtney, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Um, so what I've got is a lovely piece from The Hollywood Reporter saying how the Me Too movement could kill sexy Hollywood movies. <laughs> yep, that was my reaction, too. What? Yeah, so according to this um, oh-so-well-written article, uh, because of the Me Too movement, studios are not rushing to make super sexy movies uh they say that bradley cooper's new version of a star is born allegedly has been toned down it was supposed to be like super steamy and grown up and now they're going more for like a a pg-13 general audience thing um that there was a Hugh Hefner biopic that was originally supposed to be helmed by Brett Ratner that was shelved. Okay, maybe. <laughs> well, that's for different. Ma- maybe yeah. we can take credit for that one. Yeah. Um, uh, James Franco's movie, about, uh, Travelogue, about a 15-year-old Russian prostitute is on hold. I'm sure he made that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did he make it before or after he got funding is the next question. Huh. Um, it's probably autobiographical. <laughs> <laughs> he really likes um, having prostitutes in his... In his I know. Yeah. And then due to uh, overseas markets not being interested in super sexy movies, because you've got markets like China and the Middle East that won't show a lot of that stuff, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of projects are being moved to TV development instead of big screen. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, And that the only movies that seem to be moving forward are ones with messages of empowerment or turning the usual sexy narrative on their heads like the there's a biopic coming out with Ben Stiller and Dev Patel about the origins of the Chippendales organization. Really? Yeah, I'm not joking. That's actually there. Sorry, Dev Patel and who? And Ben Stiller. That is a combo I would never have put together. Huh. Yeah, so it's apparently going to be about like the <laughs> gritty origins of Chippendales because apparently there's like some mafia involvement and oh. things like that. <laughs> All Eric of a sudden, just, I got interested. Yeah, <laughs> Eric is awake now. Um, so one of the things is that uh, one. So this attorney that apparently worked on the hunting ground. So I don't know how he's so thick. Um, it says there may be a concern that in this zero tolerance climate, that creativity and creative opportunity could be restrained because individuals may become unwilling to put themselves in situations that could be misinterpreted. Well, that's life. Yeah. So suck it up, Buttercup. And. You know, as someone who has done some acting, I will tell you that sexy moments on film ain't sexy. Yeah. Have you ever, okay, have you yeah. ever tried to, like, make out with somebody and there's, like, a dog right here? Imagine that there's, like, 30 dogs. Yeah. That's what you got mm. going on when mm. you're filming something, when you're kissing somebody or whatever. It You're not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None of that's good. Nothing is going to be misinterpreted um, if you're a group of professionals mm-hmm. with the big giant asterisks there. Yeah. Yeah. 
so and then the other thing that I just found, you know, is that none of this is really new. Um, Hollywood's been really kind of sketchy about sexuality for a long time. Have you guys ever seen this film is not yet rated? No, no. It's one of the, cr- the answer is probably always going to be no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's one of Kirby Dick's earlier movies. So okay. Kirby Dick, he's the director of the of the Hunting Ground. Okay. Um, and one of the first movies he did that really took off was this documentary about the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America. So they're the ones that do all the ratings. Okay. Um, and his discovery argument point in that movie is that you can blow 5,000 people's heads off and get a PG-13, but you show a woman having an orgasm and you're an NC-17. Right. Yes. Um, and, and all of that. So this, this sketchiness around sexuality happened long before people started talking. And also the idea that we, you know, that, um, you know, that these couple of abusers happen to have a project that gets shelved. They haven't even said canceled, just shelved, which means they're probably going to do it again later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just not right now. Yeah. Somehow that's, you know, the movement and the victims. It's total victim blaming. It is. Did you see Liam Neeson's um, Oh my God, I was reading that on the way here. (laughs) <laughs> he's canceled everyone's canceled just cancel them all and why should we i you know it's almost as though the expectations for um decency and being treated with dignity are just too much it's just too much for most men yeah and you know it's it's you know what it is it reminds me of reverse racism the bullshit that is reverse racism it's like it's like, oh, yes, this is it. This is it. This is basically reverse racism, where the obvious is that there is a structure in place where some people get a leg up based on gender, based on race, based on sexuality, et cetera, et cetera. But once we start talking about that, the reaction is to blame the people who are being oppressed instead of the oppressor yeah and so what i'm seeing is kind of the same thing in this in this reaction to me too it's like we're in the backlash yeah we're in the backlash section yeah and so the so now men are like oh i can't even touch a woman no you could never touch a woman without without consent yeah that's what the fuck consent is yeah. Like, I can't. Like, I, I'm just like, I don't understand where the disconnect is. And they're, oh, we're being, we're being unfairly targeted. I'm, I'm like, this is reverse racism. Yeah. It's the same argument. You're not being, you're not being unfairly targeted. You're being held to account. Uh, yes. Yep. Yes. You are being told that you do know, that <gasps> you do not have this privilege. You do not get to control everybody. We are going to answer back. Yeah, well, then there was that whole thing about Catherine Deneuve and the French feminists, and they're like, apparently, like one hundred French women in like actual France um, paid for an ad in um, a French paper. I forget it was La Monde, I think, mm. and they, including um, Catherine Deneuve, and saying like, well, this is just ruining all sorts of like social contracts because like. In France, 
the social contract between men and women is very different. Like it's a, just a very flirtatious culture. And so they're upset that the Me Too movement is now could result in changing that flirtati- flirtatious culture. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because if, if you, you're taking part in that flirtatious if culture, it's okay then with you, you are consenting. Yeah. If, you know, him flirting with you and him touching you is fine with you, then it's not assault. It's not harassment. It's up to every individual person to identify whether or not they are uncomfortable in a situation. Um, yeah, like, oh, shoot. I'm trying to remember. I'm searching for the name of dude from the World Bank or the IMF, um, Dominic. Uh, oh, it starts with an S. Um, well, if Google... Strauss Khan. Yes. There oh, we go. Oh, yeah. I'm like, that's the fuck, one. Fucking Google man. Anyway, so I remember when that story broke, you should have seen the amount of French women who were there to pick up uh, to there to pick up for him. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Really? So is it part of a woman's um, responsibility then to expect abusive behavior or to expect or for her not to be in control of her own body is that like okay i i i don't i think really they really need to define where the fucking line is then yeah and the fact like if you're gonna say that it's gone too far then where's the line i actually i see a lot of people saying that this has gone too far yes men and some women. Margaret Atwood. Atwood. Oh. Andrew Sullivan. Did you guys see that one? No. Oh, no. I don't Not try Andrew that. Sullivan. I don't give a... F- <laughs> Him, too? Him, too. Yeah, he would say that. Oh, and he's a big liberal. Right. Anyway, um, it goes too far. Okay. If Then where is the line? Why don't you define that line, then? Yeah. If you're saying it's going too far, but you can't define where far is, don't say anything. Yeah. Suck it up, buttercup. And if you're, li- you're going to say that the line moves from person to person, oh, look, that's what we've been saying. Yeah. Like, going, so going back to what Courtney was, like, initially talking about, I think that, like, some of the James Franco allegations, I think, probably, re- like, are the product of what those movies kind of being canceled yeah um well everyone suddenly remembered when he won on saturday night about the uh, 17 year old on instagram that he got yep yeah um so i think yeah i think it's more i i knew it i had a feeling he's a little bit too mediocre mediocre just a little bit too just there just there yeah, because you notice all these guys have a certain look to them. Yeah, it's called douche face. Yeah, but it's like it's like they're There's proving an... their power through the subjugation of women. Sure. So, or, and these are pe- men who would otherwise be powerless. Yeah. So I'm I'm just saying. Yeah. So I think, I mean. I don't know. Do I want... I don't necessarily want to watch a bunch of steamy movies, probably because I don't go to movies. Who doesn't? Like, I... There's nothing to watch except for Black Panther that's coming out. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, do we have anything else to add on this? I don't know. 
I think I I, I think I'm it's done. interesting that they're changing it, and I'm glad that they like have shelved that Brent Ratner project because he's garbage. But um, like all three of those were basically just garbage on garbage on garbage because it was like it's a Hugh Hefner biography, garbage mm-hmm. by Robert Ratner, garbage, and then the James Franco project, garbage. Like I would support a Hugh Hefner biography if it actually talked about the exploitation of women and how he be- as long as yeah as long yeah. as it wasn't just a glorification yeah, film as, yeah like if it was and this is the thing is that a lot of these films have no fucking depth anyway yeah so i don't know so if they're like what's happening to hollywood hollywood was shit anyway tv it killed hollywood a long time ago if you really look at it i mean like since 2011 12 13 tv's gone has exploded in terms of the topics it it in terms of the topics the diversity um of shows and so like the movies hollywood has been shit and that's probably why some of these stories are moving to tv because you also have to think that you know some of these are probably stories that would benefit from the longer narrative yeah do you want a four-hour movie or do you want a five-hour miniseries great great point Look at the OJ series. Yes. Yes. You can do that in two hours. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be blink and you miss everything. Exactly. Um, But it does bring up an interesting idea. So does that mean that... Because the power of Netflix is is really in its content. Netflix would have been bleh if it didn't have original content. Good original content. It doesn't always hit the mark. And I don't expect it to. So, you know, there are a few of their their series that are just shit. Yeah. But that's expected. Yeah. They're not going to hit it out of the park all the time. Ex- and it's experimentation. It like, is. They're, who, I mean, who would have thought that Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt would have been nearly as good as it is? You know, as much as we've, we kind of dragged on it a little bit, um, it's still one of those shows that you're a little bit like, is that going to work? Very oh, popular. Oh, it did. Yeah. It's oh, a it very popular show. Oh, yeah. 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 And... To be fair, I mean, TV, TV, once it got out of the network system, became a lot more edgy and a lot more, uh, it had a lot more ability to it explore. It had a lot more to say. And it had yeah. a lot more to say. And if you, look at the, if you look at the writing in TV, you see a much more diverse set of writing a lot more diverse set of players and you look at Hollywood and the network TV system and it's dying and it's not dying because of me too. It's dying because the content is shit. It's also dying because they don't know how to measure it because there are so many shows that on a network are deemed a failure, but they have this giant groundswell of support because Nielsen and all these other companies haven't figured out what to do with a PVR number, with a Netflix number, with a Twitter number. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. And especially when it comes to things like live streaming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, I I honestly think that we're just going to have much more better – what much more better – much better TV options, in, especially going into the future, and less movie options. Movie, like – there's really nothing the only stories in the movies that have been exciting have been the ones with with non-traditional roles with non-traditional people filling those roles with non-traditional stories being told 
and the the idea that somehow Hollywood is failing because you know the creativity the creativity dried up a long time ago a long time ago because tastes have changed yeah mm. and it's they haven't like changed with we it we want to see these stories now i know Can go you figure anyway that's my little piece great do you want to do your rent and receipts i do okay so this this should come as a surprise to nobody um so there's a golden globes theme here going on great i i get that so basically i'm going to talk about the men of the golden globes perfect because they were conspicuously absent in terms of i felt like there were two golden globes there was like a parallel universe and i feel like the men were part of the upside down i really do i was like i was like okay so the men who attended the golden globes wore black supposedly in support of the me too movement yet had nothing to say about sexual harassment in hollywood None of them said a peep. Not even that this is bad. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Silent. So, um, there was a piece in The Guardian this week. Um, Hadley Freeman wrote about the woke man. Great. The woke man is one who recently and suddenly, like, literal like really down with the important liberal issues he will tweet ever so urgently about how completely outrageous toby young's nine-year-old tweet about claudia winkleman's breasts was and then blithely talk over and humiliate women he will insist that he is like a total feminist because he's a good guy (laughs) and he follows some women on twitter So now all the women should listen to him because he knows what's best for them. In other words, being the woke man allows a chap to seize the moral high ground with minimal effort. Wearing a black tux to the Golden Globes to show solidarity with women is the ultimate A-list woke man move, given that A, most men wear black tuxes anyway. That's what I said last week. And B, it says precisely nothing. You know what would really show solidarity with women in Hollywood who have suffered harassment and unfairly reduced employment opportunities, guys? If you actually spoke up for once in your overprivileged lives. Mm. Bam! Couldn't have said it better myself. So my question is, what are what is the responsibility then of the woke man? If he's so damn woke. So I... Your wokeness is not a hat. You cannot take it on and off. Right? That's number one. Yep. Do so not, I'm not, not going to answer your question because um, I, I just have a, <clears throat> sorry, a quick thought is that I think if I'm thinking of what my boyfriend would say in this situation, I think he would be like, oh, well, I wouldn't say anything because it's not like I'm seeding bl- the floor to you guys to like give this make this your moment to be act- like activists to have your say to speak out and I think it would be coming probably from like a place of goodwill and not recognizing that they also have a responsibility to say something I get that 
but I also want to put a little bit of emphasis on, especially on the red carpet, that none of the, uh, the guys got asked about their work. The ladies got asked about Me Too. Yeah, that's always, like, the red carpet's always a fucking well, disaster. Well, it was just a fucking garbage dumpster fire. Yeah, but yep. the red carpet in general is always a fucking disaster because men and women never get asked the same questions. Just ask them the same fucking question. What was it like working with this person? How was the director? Why did you do this movie? Oh, and by the way, which designer are you wearing? Because we have to ask that. Yeah. And I mean, Erica, you pointed out to me that night when we were tweeting that uh, that uh, Ryan Seacrest oh, that was should me. not. It was, oh, it was you? That was me. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> it can, um, that, uh, yeah, Ryan Seacrest it probably was not the best choice for that one. Yeah, because he also has allegations of sexual misconduct against him. Why is he there? Because I don't understand why why he what made him into this big Hollywood player. He is mediocrity on on milk toast. Like I can't even. <laughs> I I just he's I'm a fail up. He's a fail up. Thank you. Like he he I would say he's I will say he's less a fail up than a lot of other fail ups. Well, that's sad. You know I I'm waiting for this meritocracy to come in because I'm I'm not seeing it. Yeah, but I mean oh, I, I know I'll he be probably threw Dunkelman under the bus completely who what the american idol originally had two hosts yeah because they were going off the british model so the british model had two hosts because there's this team over there ant and deck who do everything i was you know what i was just thinking about ant and deck actually yeah 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 so seacrest and this guy brian dunkelman were supposed to be the american ant and deck and then they ditched the deck basically why because well his name is dunkelman first of all (laughs) he just he he was he was a little too snarky. They already had their snark. They had Simon. And and what I find that Seacrest is one of these people who's floated along by being um the quote unquote nice guy? Not only the quote unquote nice guy, but just like nothingness. Like he's just the nothing. He's just like a piece of he's a cotton ball that just kind of rolls across the floor. Doesn't mm-hmm. really do anything. But it doesn't really offend but, you either. But he's inoffensive. And that yeah. is thank you. So inoffensive is the number one quality apparently for excellence in 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 white yeah they're not gonna rock the boat but the boat's rocking them isn't it (laughs) so i'm like you're still here like even though you took the safe way you still ended up in shit and that's why you have all these garbage tv shows yep right they're inoffensive and then they end up do something dumb because they have no one to check them until so they do something offensive. Yeah, there you go. They're the blankies for a country of Linuses. So <laughs> uh, that's well I, said. I love peanuts. Well, that so is well said. <laughs> really, well done. Me. I would say to I get what your partner's saying. Yeah. Well, well, hypothetically would say. Oh, sorry. Hypothetically would say. Um, However, you know, what? I'm going to ask him about this later. Oh, Ooh, follow up. What? Um, my question would be, I go back to um, the Martin Luther King tweet. I are saying or quote quote that I said in the last place, which is sorry, you didn't hear it. So. Um, it's basically exactly it's basically has to do with the comfort of silence and the fact that there's no investment being made by these men 
And so, yes, you can sta- stand aside and say, oh, ladies, you take you take the floor. And that's fine. That's great. However, where's the follow-up? Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is like what Bailey would say, like, you don't get a fucking ally cookie for showing up and, like, seeing yeah. the floor to, like, yeah. women. Yeah. Like, like you don't get a cookie. Yeah, especially the gents who went home with a, uh, a piece of hardware for doing, for, like, playing an abuser or being involved in a movie that's supposedly more progressive cough cough three billboards cough cough um you know they they really should have taken a just just a millisecond of their moment and done something with some it. support that is the yes, fucking yeah. point yes. it doesn't have, you don't have to speak out necessarily against them but saying like oh i'm like really proud of like what these women have accomplished yeah tonight, what was wrong with that this year like acknowledging it, the protests would have just been we would have been like we would have been yeah. like we're so fucking thirsty that we would have been like oh oh my gosh chris evans yay i know he didn't win anything i'm just saying I'm in just, your mind he did and no no <laughs> no i i can't tell them a different i i can't tell these chrises apart oh i really the chris can't. chart i need, yeah i i just don't care enough really they're I know all Chris, blonde white guys. I know Chris Pine's the little one. Is he little? Ugh, I walked by him once and I was living in okay, Vancouver. Okay, you and your bloody fucking f- famous sighting yeah. stories. Dude, I was coming out of like a rest, like a restaurant or a coffee shop, and he like he walked by me because he was filming. I don't fucking know Star Trek, I guess. And I was like, "Oh, you're as big as I am." Oh, he's that short. Oh, and like slight, like he's he's wee. He's not he's swimmer build. He's not broad. He looks like me. He's petite. He's like five six at best. <gasps> but dude's got pipes. He's very attractive. Like he he's very pretty. But he's five six and like narrow. Oh, okay. But he's yeah he's very attractive. I guess I if he just yeah. he just looks like a white guy to me. <laughs> I mean like. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, yay? Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. He, get, just he like, gets points in my book for being able to pull off Sondheim. There's not a lot of people who can do that, but that's just, that's the theater nerd coming out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, he's got pipes, does he? He got pipes. Wow. Uh, he plays um, where most people have figured out he has pipes. Is he was in the, the movie version of Into the Woods a few years back, and he played, oh my God, they're the funniest characters in the whole show they're these two prin- they're the princes so cinderella's prince and rapunzel's prince mm-hmm. and they have this song oh you guys would kill yourselves laughing it's amazing um basically all about how hard it is for them mm-hmm. that these women are in these horrible situations mm-hmm. is that satirical it is okay oh, completely good. completely good, absolutely good, good. yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah so i i just i think that the point is is that yeah you take a step back does not mean absence yeah it doesn't you don't get a you don't get a trophy for your silence you don't get a trophy for not saying the wrong thing yeah you know you don't get a trophy for being inoffensive mhm because then we don't know where you stand and we don't get anywhere yeah like That's- given that like men wear tuxes to these events all the time and maybe they didn't get a times up pin for whatever reason what are we left to assume that they're complicit yeah 
we don't know what their opinion is. Yeah. I'm just going to assume they're all complicit. How about that? Got to start from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's my mark. Um, great. So, Courtney, do you have any, any parting words? You can say no. <laughs> <laughs> We're perfectly I've, fine. Honestly, this has been so much fun. And I'm going to put a small plug in for myself and say that I hope that I get to do it more. <laughs> you and- could totally plug yourself. I shamelessly plug. <laughs> All the time. All the time. Uh, and where can people find you on the internet? Um, I'm on Twitter as at Cora Stacy. Um, it, it's spelled kind of weird. It's C-O-R-A-S-T-A-C-Y. And then uh, Instagram, same thing, except you add C-A-N at the end for Cora Stacy Can. So. Cool. cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Okay, so thanks for listening to Amy and Courtney. Yay. Um, like we said, they both are very different. They both bring completely different perspectives. But I like that. Like, I, I like that they are – we didn't get just two of the same people. Yes. We got totally different slices. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think that's amazing. Yeah, so – I'm glad we have such diverse listeners. Yay. Um. Anyway, so we're just going to remind you again, patreon.com slash bad and bitchy to pledge your dollar to get a vote in this competition and we're going to keep voting open until the end of january so january 31st yes january 31st okay um i guess that about does it as always we want to thank media style for letting us record in their space thank you and Media Style is a progressive public affairs agency located in Ottawa. They are a social enterprise making Canada a better place. And you can follow us on Twitter, which is Erica's favorite, at Bad and Bitchy. You can follow us on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod. On Facebook, where Erica goes on a little rant sometimes. Uh, <laughs> as opposed to Twitter. <laughs> Uh, at Bad and Bee Podcast. The rants are longer. Uh, send us your feedback. Send us uh, things you want us to cover, maybe. Um, just send us love notes at badandbeepod at gmail.com. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Rate us on iTunes. Yes, rate us on iTunes. Bye. Bye. Bye.